RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. Ayn Rand said, when you have civilised men fighting savages, you support the civilised men, no matter who they are. That's about as much as need be said about the conflict between Israel and savages. But here is one of the world's worst enablers of savagery, the Witch of Benghazi, who blamed the torching of America's embassy on an anti-Muslim YouTube video, Hamas Hillary. Here she is on her plans for dealing with political dissent in future. And sadly, so many of those extremists, those mega extremists, um, take their marching orders from Donald Trump, who has no credibility left by any measure. He's only in it for himself. He's now defending himself in civil actions and criminal actions. And when do they break with him? You know, because at some point, you know, maybe there needs to be a formal deprogramming of the cult members, but something needs to happen. And how do you do that? Something needs to happen? Oh, my. Possibly being deprogrammed is not as bad as being beheaded, but formal deprogramming suggests camps. I rather think the world has been there before. This comes as Newsweek reports that the FBI, right on cue, has created a new category of extremists that it seeks to track and counter, Donald Trump's army of MAGA followers. It's targeting strident Republicans with some of the same counterterrorism methods honed to fight al-Qaeda. Federal bureaucrats have heaved together a bunch of letters to contrive an ominous new acronym for the latest peril to domestic tranquility, agave, anti-government, anti-authority, violent extremism. Independent investigative reporter William Arkin told Newsweek, the great majority of the FBI's current anti-government investigations are of Trump supporters. Probably easiest just to put them in the camps, too. Perhaps if the FBI were to focus not on Trump supporters, but domestic apologists for real terrorists, such as the odious occasional Cortex or Ilhan Omar. No, but I digress. This comes as a real clear opinion poll showed that only a slim majority of Democrats, 53%, say that speech should be legal under any circumstances, with 47% saying it should be legal only under certain circumstances. Almost three-quarters, 74% of Republicans, affirmed free speech under any circumstances. Regarding freedom in general, over one-third of Democrats, 34%, said that Americans have too much freedom, with just 14.6% of Republicans saying the same. The woke fascist anti-mind mindset is terrifyingly ascendant in what we used to be able with impunity to call the free world. This terrifying ascendancy 
is aided and abetted by what we used to be able with impunity to call a free press. That press is now a mere propaganda arm of woke fascist governments such as ours. It is Pravda. Pravda's propaganda comprises not just what it does report and how, but what it doesn't. It took the non-woke fascist Epoch Times to report this, for instance, quote, Nobel Prize laureate John Clauser recently challenged climate models and said researchers have ignored a key variable. He and about 1,600 other researchers signed a pledge declaring there is no climate emergency and that Earth's history shows there has been a constantly changing climate with or without human activity. In addition, climate models ignore the fact that enriching the atmosphere with CO2 is beneficial, their declaration said. They accused mainstream scientists of manufacturing a popular narrative that is actually a corruption of science that threatens the world's economy and the well-being of billions of people. Misguided climate science has metastasized into massive shock journalistic pseudoscience. In turn, the pseudoscience has become a scapegoat for a wide variety of other unrelated ills. It has been promoted and extended by similarly misguided business marketing agents, politicians, journalists, government agencies, and environmentalists. In my opinion, there is no real climate crisis." Unquote. Well, clearly this John Clauser and the 1600 researchers will have to be flung into one of Hamas Hillary's deprogramming camps. And Winston Peters too. I heard him trot out that line about climate change having always been with us in one of the so-called debates, a clear candidate for formal deprogramming. If you, dear listener, get flung into one of these camps for listening to RCR, don't be surprised to encounter the ghost of Norman Kirk. He was the prime minister who changed the name of Waitangi Day to New Zealand Day. For over a century, this most important day in our history has been celebrated by the people of Northland alone. But from 1974 onwards, Waitangi Day is to be New Zealand's day and will be observed as a holiday throughout the country. We in New Zealand are very pleased that on this, our first New Zealand day, we should have the privilege of having with us Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. Your Majesty, your presence makes this day even richer for us as you share in our celebrations. We remember that today is also a significant day for you being the 22nd anniversary of your accession as Queen. We are especially happy that members of your family 
have accompanied you here to Waitangi today. We have chosen the anniversary of the signing of the Treaty of Waitangi as New Zealand's day. And as we do, I wonder if we all realise the special meaning of this choice. Other nations celebrate on their national day acts of violence, a revolution, a coup, or perhaps a war. But we achieved our independence and our nationhood gradually and peacefully. We have no desperate revolution as the focus of New Zealand's day. We remember no martyrs who fought to overthrow a tyrant or to drive out an alien power. We were the lucky country. Others before our time had caused the government of Great Britain to consider new ways. And the genius of the British people has been to learn from experience and to adapt. For us, independence was handed on a plate in the most friendly, gentlemanly, rational fashion. We came to nationhood with no legacy of bitterness, no old scores to pay off. True, Maori and Pākehā came to blows, but there was also valour and honour and restraint on both sides. And we emerged from this testing period with a great respect for each other. Whoa! Oh my! That's not what they're teaching in our schools today, is it? Big Norm preceded the woke fascist narrative that the treaty unleashed oppression of Māori by white supremacists that continues to this day. I'm sure he would have had none of this nonsense and probably would commit his party to removing critical race theory and decolonization from school curriculum were he here now. No wonder he's been dispatched down the Labour Party's memory hole. Big Norm, posthumously cancelled. I shall have all of this in mind as I vote this Saturday. I shall have hideous Hamas Hillary and her deprogramming camps and the generic ascendancy of woke fascism very much to the fore. I shan't be voting for any member of the Uni Party, any party of lockdowns and mandates, any party of Pfizer, any party of woke, any party of zero emissions. The Chinese Communist Party and the World Economic Forum in drag. I shall be asking myself, how do we take our country back? Something needs to happen.
RCR with Paul Brennan. Reality Check Radio.